too often these days, so it's a great thing. Uh, what we're going to do to start with, I thought uh, as getting prepared for Christmas, uh, getting prepared for the birth of Jesus, uh, how often do we actually go back and look at the story? How often do we go back and watch something or consider it? Often we talk about aspects of it, often we talk about bits of it. Uh, so I thought maybe what might be good this morning is for actually us to watch, it's a bit of a compilation in a sense, a bit of a shortened version of the Nativity story. Uh, there is a movie out there called The Nativity Story that was put together a couple of years ago uh, and I think it's actually one of the closest that I've seen for a long time that actually does do justice to the original Nativity Story. Uh, the clothing, the, the sense of it and what it's about I help, think helps us to take us back to the original time, to the very first birth, uh, very first Christmas Day, the birth of Jesus. So we're going to watch a 14-minute segment if the guys can click on to my uh, talk and then go to the next one, next slide. Those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There was... In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. 
for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God. Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth, has conceived a son in her old age. For nothing said by God can be impossible. Let it be done to me according to your word. and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Elizabeth! 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 Oh, child. Oh, child. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But how could you not? Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The moment I heard your voice, my child leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes the Lord's words. <laughs> now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. What name have you given him? He shall have the name of John. John? But Elizabeth, there is no one in your family who bears that name. Zechariah would not wish for this. If he could speak, he would want a name that honors such a blessed child. Where does this name come from, Elizabeth? Where all names come from. His name is John. <gasps> he speaks. <gasps> His name is John. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Requesting a census, each man to return to the place of his birth. Such an order will lead to unrest. The people whisper of rebellion, even it now. It is the will of Caesar. My father lost his life because he failed to see the threat that was mounting against him from his own people. Now, all it will take is one man, one man, to convince the people he is their Messiah. The prophet said this man will rise from the house of David. 
The census would bring him back home. Have your soldiers and your spies keep watch for a man returning to Bethlehem. A man of power. A man the people will follow. Caesar, you are ordered to participate in the census of all people. Each man will return to the land of his ancestors. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Bethlehem. Here. We will find a place. I promise. God be with you. Is there a place for my wife and me to stay? I'm sorry. There is no room here. same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the lord stood before them i bring you good tidings of great joy for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord you will find a child wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another let us now go to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. He is for all mankind. We are each given a gift. stories that come through, but I think it's helpful for us just to sit back for a moment and uh, imagine what it would have been like and to think about it. I'm going to think a little bit about Mary this morning and her response after the angel had come to her and after she'd seen Elizabeth, and it's called the Magnificat, and uh, Joan's going to, not Joan, Heather's going to come up and read it for us. Uh, You'll find that on the screen as well. It's on Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Boys, you could probably just pick it down for us, the first one. Thank you. Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble, servant, humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Amen. So, firstly, I wanted to show you that clip. 
uh, mainly to try and help us get back, in a sense, to the time and the dates and the places, because often uh, we see it in today's eyes and we don't really think about it back then. And secondly, for us to think about Mary and to think about Mary's response to what she just saw and heard, and her response is in a poem and a song. So we're going to be thinking a little bit about that. And there's just really two things I want to highlight this morning. I don't want to take too long today. I want to highlight two aspects of it. One, that Mary trusted, and the second one was that Mary praised. Mary trusted God, and Mary praised God. I'm going to think about those two things this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, have a look at it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to gather to hear your word, uh, to hear it uh, spoken to us from your word, the Bible, Lord. We pray this morning as we take a moment now to think about uh, being prepared well for Christmas, uh, what that meant for Mary and what that means for us today. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, imagine you were Mary. We think she was probably around about 14 or 15. She's very young. Uh, she's, in one sense, uh, been playing and running around with her friends and uh, doing some chores and so forth that she was with her family. And the next minute, she has an angel appear to her. And not only an angel, that would be an amazing shock in itself, wouldn't it? Uh, just imagine if you are playing around in the backyard and you're going to have to get water and there an angel stands before you. But secondly, she gets a message from this angel that says, you're going to have God's son. And he's going to be the saviour of the world. Man, you'd go, what the? You've got to be joking. This is, no way, that's not possible, that can't happen. And she did to a degree, didn't she? She said, that can't happen. I haven't had sex with anyone. There's no way that can possibly happen. And the angel says to her, no, but this will happen. God will bring this upon you and God will make this happen because there is nothing impossible for God. It's hard for us to gather that, isn't it? If you've got a 14-year-old daughter or you know a 14-year-old girl or a 15-year-old girl that you know now, imagine that happening to them. Imagine any 15-year-old having that said to them. I know that my, some of our ones, I know, 15-year-olds, it's hard enough to get them to go out and get the rubbish without them complaining, but let alone being told that they're going to have the Son of God. It's crazy, isn't it? Oh, what sort of response is Mary going to have? Well, it is a phenomenal response. What does she do? She says, if I can click down, in Luke 1, verse 38, she says this to the angel. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. That is a huge call, isn't it? She says, Lord, first of all, she recognises that this is God that's speaking to her through this angel. But secondly, she recognises that what he brings is God's word to her. And thirdly, she says, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust God's word for me. There is no way that in any way, shape or form, that this possibly could happen unless God had stepped in to do it. No way. It's impossible. Not a, it doesn't happen. But within it, she says, I will trust you, God. And then a little bit later, when she's with uh, Elizabeth, 
Uh, she says this, doesn't she? Uh, Elizabeth says this to Mary. Uh, this is verse 45, just before the part that Heather read to us. She said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. So Mary said that I'll trust the Lord and Elizabeth has said it is a blessed is those who trust the Lord. Blessed is she, blessed is Mary who trusts God's word. Trust God to do what he's going to do. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy to trust God, is it? I don't know about you, but we live on the other side of the cross. And we've seen Jesus. He's gone to the cross, he's risen again. Mary hasn't seen any of that yet. But yet she says, I will trust you, Lord. I will trust God. It's tough, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I I find it hard sometimes to trust God. I know it here, but then sometimes it flips and I think, ah, but I know better than you, God. Yeah, yeah, God, that's right, but yeah, no, I'm better than you and I, I I, I trust myself more than I trust you. And so I go off and live most of my life, a lot of my life sometimes, trusting in me. Mary says, let it be to me as you say, Lord. And there's other times, I don't know about you, there's other times though that when I find it hard to trust God, there's moments that I go through where I actually think, have I been duped here? Is this Jesus stuff real? Have I just got caught up in the emotion of it? Have I just got caught up in what everything else is going on? Have I just... Man, this, can I really trust God in this? Can I really trust him? Is it really, you know, is it more fun not to trust him? That happens to me. I have moments, I have periods in my life where that hits me and I have a real sense of I'm unsure and it rocks me. And it grabs me, I think, can I really trust God? Well, when that happens to me, there's a few things that I do. First is I think back on what God has done in my life. I go back and think, who am I now? Who am I and what am I on about now? I didn't grow up a drug addict. I didn't grow up on the street where suddenly I had a transforming moment and everything was far better than what it was before. I grew up in a pretty nice family. I thought everything was pretty good. I loved sport. I loved life. I enjoyed all those aspects of it. I played everything, did everything. I was a prefect at school. Things were going pretty well for me generally. But there was one thing that I did continually. And that was I pleased people because I wanted to be loved. So everything was around me, I was driven by the fact that I wanted to be loved, that I wanted to be accepted, that I wanted to be popular, that I wanted to be the one everyone says, yeah, he's a really great bloke, that Paul. And that drove my life. That was my God. That was where I thought my salvation was, in people liking me and loving me. And then when I found out about Jesus, when I read about him and heard about him and found out that Jesus loves me more than I could love myself. 
that Jesus loves me more than anyone else in the whole world, that Jesus actually gave his life for me. He loved me so much that he gave up everything so that I could be his friends forever, so that I could be loved and by him and by the Almighty forever, that my self-identity could be wrapped up in him. I don't have to go off and be, wait, whether other people like me or not. That can be nice. But I'm loved by the creator of the world. That has changed who I am. Yes, I still sometimes get dragged back into the people-pleasing moment, but I don't have to be now. I know I am loved by the creator of the world, by Jesus. And that has changed my life. And I go back and think about that. Then I go back and think about other people that I know that have been transformed by Jesus as well. I think of people in this congregation, people who I know years ago didn't know Jesus and were on a completely different trajectory in life and now they've changed. And I think about them. And then I think about God's word and I think about how much there is to show that God's word is true. That there is more evidence in the world today for Jesus than there is for any other historical character in the world. Historical person. There is more evidence for him. There is more evidence that the Bible that we have in our hands is an accurate representation of what happened than any other historical document that we have. And I think about if we didn't have Christianity today, what would be the world be like? If we didn't have Jesus today, what would the world be like? Well, we probably wouldn't be living, we wouldn't be in 2015 anyway, would we? That wouldn't be the date. It's all based on Jesus. We wouldn't have that. There would still be slavery. There would still be people who actually think that other people aren't as good as them and would be killing them. There would be people out there slaughtering people. There would not be humanity. There would not be hospitals. There would not be schools. Now, some of that's still happening, isn't it? But when Jesus stepped in and when Christians and followers of him took it seriously, the world is transformed. And I put all that together and I go, yes, it is true. I can trust God. My own experience, other person's experience is the Bible. I can say it's true. And when I look at the world, it is true. I can trust God. And you can trust God too. And Mary not only trusted God, did she? But she praised God as well. Uh, has anyone worked out what the latest movie is out there at the moment? Yes, I was. It's in it, The Force Awakens, isn't it? It's everywhere. You can't get away from it, can you? It's on the television. It's on the places over here. It's all over the place. It's filtered everywhere. You cannot get away from it. Has anyone seen it yet? Oh, is it any good? It is good. Uh, but the basically the promo, it's all out there, isn't there? And there's people all over the place getting dressed up like Star Wars characters. They look, some of them look great. Some of them don't look so great. There are some dodgy ones out there, aren't there? But what's that all about? That's all about making Star Wars large on the screen so that everyone knows that it's happening and how good it is. Well, Mary does the same with her poem, with her song. 
She magnifies how wonderful and amazing God. She wants to put God large on the screen because she trusts him and knows him and she wants to praise him and celebrate him and get out there and tell everyone about it. And when you read through the Magnificat, is what they call it, the Magnificat, the magnifying of God, you read through it, she starts praising of how God has, what she, God has done to her, what God has done in the past and what God will do in the future. She praises God for all the things of what he's done, who he is and what he's going to do. And we even get a sense in the uh, Magnificat that she really does grasp hold a bit about what this Jesus is going to do. That this Jesus that she's going to give birth to is going to be the one that brings all God's promises together. Where everything that God said and pulls together is going to happen in him. All these praises that she talks about is going to be encapsulated in Jesus. This one that she's going to bring birth to. It's worth just contemplating and reading through hers and spending time on each of the little sections. But in it, you get this sense that Mary is praising God, celebrating how God, how good God is, how wonderful He is, magnifying Him. Because God is wonderful, she says. And I want to praise Him and celebrate Him. Look at what she says in verse 46 and 47. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. That is a deep-seated, soul-crying praise to God, isn't it? It's not a flippant, oh yeah, God's good. She has gone within and expresses what is going on with inside her. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit, that is everything within me, praises how good he is. Rejoices in God, my saviour. One more quick. Maybe. When was the last time that you had a deep, seated soul spirit rejoicing in how good God is now those of you in this uh, building today who claim to be Presbyterian which isn't many of us uh, most of us come from every other part of uh, understanding uh, denominationally wise but Presbyterians aren't known for their soul deep spirit rejoicing they're known for their stick their hands in the pocket and don't show too much of an excitement about anything. God's great, guys. Yep, he's all right, isn't he? Yep, he's good. We're not known for that deep seer that comes out and praises God because, you know, we don't want to be known as charismatics and we don't want to be seen as Pentecostals. Woo! Don't go there, guys. They're way out. But seriously, guys, we really should be like that, shouldn't we? This is what Mary says. It's deep-seated within her. It's got to come out of her because she knows how wonderful and amazing God is. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you have to go, hallelujah, every time you're walking down the street. doesn't mean that you have to sing your chorus in the middle six times over. doesn't mean that you have to wave your hands in the air and jump around. But it does have that sense that it's got to come from a deep-seated within us and burst forth from us. That's celebrating how good God is. How wonderful it is that he sent Jesus for you and I to have a relationship with him for eternity. We 
When was the last time you did that? You can do that in all sorts of ways, can't you? It may be that you just need to get off some quiet time by yourself and just pour it out within you. It may mean that you need to stand on the headland with your arms up in the air and just shout it to the world. It may mean you just need to be contemplative and do it from inside. You can do it in all sorts of ways, can't you? But it's that deep-seated praise of how good God is. How do I do that? Well, the one way I do that mainly is I get in my office and close the door uh, and turn my sound up really loud and go onto YouTube and find the greatest songs I like about speaking about God. And I just go for it. Thankfully, no one can hear me, I hope, over the top of all that. But to sing that out loud when you can. Sometimes I go for a walk out over the headland and when you go out over the headland here and towards the light as you go right, don't go to the top, you go right and when you walk along the edge it comes out and it just comes on this really folding, beautiful green, most of the time, green sort of hill and it just looks out on this vista across the sea. Sometimes I just sit there and say, how good are you God? And praise him. Sometimes it happens when I'm just talking to people and I'm listening to their stories and I'm hearing them and I'm hearing what God's doing in their lives and I've got to choke back the tears because I see God at work in their lives and I just feel, how good is God? He really is wonderful, isn't he? Because he sent Jesus. Because he loved us so much that Jesus came to live, to die, to rise again so that we can know his love for eternity. How good is that? Guys, let's praise God from the innermost being. My soul, my spirit rejoice and magnify how great God is because he is amazing. Because we can trust him, because his word is true, he keeps his word. We can know that most, most importantly in Jesus, we see it there. And then we see it in people's lives and then we see it across this world. We can trust God, he keeps his word. We can praise God because he is worthy to be magnified. I reckon it's a great way to be prepared for, for Christmas, isn't it? This Christmas, let's trust God more. Let's praise him. Don't let the Grinch come in and take the joy out of Christmas and just think, oh, in fact, they've got to go and do all these toy shopping and all these people having fun and getting drunk and all that garbage that goes on with it. Don't let that take the joy away from Christmas. Celebrate it like Mary. Praise from your inner being. That at Christmas, remember that God steps into the world in Jesus. My soul rejoices. My spirit praises the Lord because he is our saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. Lord, that you did step into the world, that you came in that little baby Jesus. But that baby didn't stay the way, grew up and became a man, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death and rose again so that we can have life forever. Lord, Mary didn't know all of that when she, uh, the moment of what we read today, but she got a glimpse of who you are. 
She got a glimpse of it, Lord, and she understood how wonderful you are. And she praised you for that. She trusted that you would bring your promises to fruition, Lord, and she magnified you because of that. May we do the same this Christmas, Lord. May we trust you, Lord. May we celebrate you and praise you, Lord, because you are beyond compare. We want to praise you and thank you today, Lord. Prepare our hearts to do that, Lord, over this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to throw a curveball at the guys.